You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are going to get our show started with our grateful moment. Philip, what are you grateful for this week? Well, I'm grateful that on Wednesday, the 19th of July, my wife and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage. We have three beautiful um, ladies, young ladies, um, which gives me opportunity to really see the reflection of God's blessing of my wife and I working together and growing together. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you for that. Evan, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful that after two weeks without the kids, I had the opportunity to pick them back up from my parents. I think you might hear my son in the background. I picked them up from my parents and I'll be on the road back to Charlotte, North Carolina. Great. Calvin, what are you grateful for? Um, mine's is really strange this week. Um, I had a friend who was in a major car accident. Uh, she played ball um, when I played ball at school and her husband died. Um, but she was, she was, um, in the ICU. She's recovering. She had a success, a, a s- successful surgery. Um, but her spirits was real high and I'm really, I was really glad about, um, you know, her message behind, you know, even when she was going through this time, she says, you know, she's fortunate. She's blessed to have, have had her husband in that, uh, for six years of marriage, I think she said. And, her, and you know, just to see her uh, her spirits to be to where where it is right now, it's just a blessing to see somebody and a testament to God's love to see somebody in them spirits after those that tragic event happened. So I'm happy that she's good, and I'm happy that she's recovering, and I'm happy um, that she has the support system that she has. Yes, I mean, thank God for her resilience. I I respect that a lot. And my grateful moment for the week is that Friday was my last, my very last day working as a district attorney for the state of North Carolina. And I'm not happy that I'm leaving that job, but I am happy for the new opportunity and new beginnings of um, my new employment that I will start tomorrow, actually. And so God has truly blessed me. Um, He has primed me for 10 years in my legal career for this very moment. And I'm so excited and so blessed. Today, we have a full lineup for you with a lot of interesting topics. So we are going to get right into the show. Our first topic is going to talk about one of my favorite things in the whole world. If you've been watching our podcast, you would know what that is. And it is contracts. Tell them to bring me my money. We all know who just got the biggest contract a couple of days ago. Um, Our boy, Pat Mahomes. Now, we don't have to waste time and get into the weeds about whether he deserves the contracts. But just in case you don't believe me, his resume reads a little like this. He's only the second player to win a Super Bowl and MVP in his first three seasons. The first player to ever do that might surprise you is Kurt Warner. He had a quarterback rating of 113.8 and 105.3 as a two-year starter. He averages 304 yards and 2.5 touchdowns per game 
he he can complete a pass anywhere on the field he can contort his body in any manner i mean he is just an overall talented generational player he leads the nfl with 22 touchdown passes of 20 plus yards downfield and 17 touchdown passes on the run since 2018. so the question isn't whether or not he deserves it he deserves his contract um the bigger question is who is the bigger beneficiary of this contract did pat get the better deal or did the chiefs get the better deal in this contract he mahomes is a generational player who will continue to excel at his position in about four years i predict that the kind of product production he will put out he might very well be underpaid when you account for inflation and other things. By year five, my attorney mind is telling me that he would need to renegotiate that contract. It would take me multiple shows to explain the complexities of this 100-page contract. You heard that right, 100 pages. But the way the contract is structured allows the Chiefs to maintain wiggle room in their cap space still allowing them to obtain key pieces to create a dynasty. And ultimately, that is his goal. They won't have the funds to bring on another talent like Mahomes, but with Mahomes in tow, they won't need to. My only concern about this contract is that in the history of 10-year contracts in the NFL, no quarterback has completed them. The most notable for me that I can think of off the top is Donovan McNabb with the Eagles. Um, you had Dante Culpepper with the Vikings. You had Drew Bledsoe um, with the Patriots that signed one. And of course, you had Michael Vick with the Falcons. We all see how those turned out. Look at Drew Bledsoe. He is literally only known as the quarterback that led the way and set the stage for Tom Brady. But with all of that said, I think that Mahomes will be the first to finish out this 10-year contract. I want to know what the guys think about this contract. How do they feel about it? First impressions. And we're going to start with Philip. Definitely, definitely. Um, one, like you stated, he deserved a contract. And the smart thing that Kansas City Chiefs did have done was sign him early, knowing that he's going to peak. He's already the top, to me, top three, top three in an NFL. Why not get it while it's hot? And plus, this contract is comfortably for, of course, the owners, where they're able to still put pieces around, not as, but close to what the New England Patriots have done to make sure that, you know, the quarterback wasn't always the, law, um, the highest paid person, but just enough money to kick to him as for, for Tom Brady and still build around him. It's the same model that the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. So... I'm for this contract for the simple fact he cannot pay. I don't see paying the quarterback all the money and doesn't have him running around and try to save his neck, similar to Cam did his years in the Panthers. But give him enough money where he's satisfied, enough on the table to build around him and does continue the gravy train. And on top of that, his contract doesn't kick in until the following season. So that he's still under that where they could build around him. So I'm good for I'm good with it. Yeah, um, I think it's a steal. I think it's a steal for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Um, when you look at it, you see, you know, like everybody else, we see a half a billion dollars. So we're like, wow, he, you know, he made out crazy. But the truth of the matter is, is 140 million that contract guaranteed. And uh, it allows the Chiefs, like Phil pointed out, to have a lot of flexibility. But when you talk about a franchise quarterback, um, you know, he's not even 25 yet. <laughs> he got a Super Bowl and he's broken 10, 10 NFL records already before the age of 25. It's crazy. I mean, a guy, he checks the box on everything. Great arm, high IQ, leadership, pockets, presence, high character. You know, I mean, they, they got to steal. I mean, at the end of the day, they got to steal. Uh, from what I understand about the contract, the contract won't allow him to opt out at any time. Um, it's just that when I look at it, man, all around the board, I just think that, uh, you know, that's the type of guy that every team wants, a type of guy that's team first. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would say that, you know, at the end of the day, they both going to make out good with that contract. So I would say probably fair, but more fair for me for Kansas City than for Mahomes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'd agree. It's, it's more for, fair for Kansas City than for Patrick Mahomes. Because let's say 140 are guaranteed, right? Let's say at max he gets 200 million out of that contract. That means with a 10-year contract, the most he gets is $20 million per year. So – you locked up, and I'm going to push back on, on Phil's point, the number one quarterback in the NFL. Uh, not top three, not top two, number one, definitively no one A, no one B, number one quarterback in the NFL. Um, and if you think about it, you know, he kind of reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard, not in terms of persona, but, you know, uh, the Spurs traded up to like 15 to draft Kawhi Leonard. It looked like, well, why are they doing that? And, you know, with Mahomes, it was like, why is why are the Chiefs trading up for that guy, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the fact that Andy Reid and the Chiefs scout report saw – I mean, I don't know if they saw this, but the fact that they saw a superstar talent in Patrick Mahomes and where at Texas Tech he was pretty much flying under the radar is kudos to them. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a team-friendly deal more so than is a uh, player-friendly deal. Um and, you know, the mistake that a lot of, a lot of franchises make, and, and let me not say mistake, but the reality of what happens when you have a young stud, let's say with Russell Wilson, you know, Russell Wilson inherited the leash of boom. Um, but eventually, once, once you brought in the trucks to pay um, Russell Wilson, then you had the issues of not being able to keep certain players on your roster. So the Chiefs have solidified themselves, made themselves comfortable enough to be able to keep uh, kind of adding talent mm -hmm. um, to su support uh, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, this is going to be a dangerous year team. Probably This will probably be the most dangerous team or at least the most dangerous player of this generation. Yes, I I completely agree, and I'm I'm actually surprised that um, all of you guys agreed with me that the Chiefs got the better of this deal because, you know, when you go on social media, and we all know if social media says it, it's true, right? Um, everyone is like, oh my goodness, Patrick killed that deal, and I mean it's a lot of money, but I think you got to look at a contract and its longevity. You have to look at a contract in the way that it's executed. 
and Kansas City made sure they have money going forward in every season of this contract where they can add core pieces. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's great. Another point that you guys brought out is this guy only played, what, two seasons in, in the NFL? He is not even in his prime, okay? This guy is not in his prime, and he is out there making this look so easy. I was reading something where he said, um, I believe in like his first year, he didn't even know how to read defenses. He was just playing. Mm-hmm. And now in his second year, he has started to learn the defense. Like, can you imagine what that's like when he has full, full football defensive IQ as a quarterback? Like this guy is is really, really special. So indeed. Kudos, kudos to him. Any any last comments on Mahomes contract? I do. What is up with Andy Reid getting these players that don't read defenses? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like Nick was like, I don't read defenses. See, that's the that's 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 the uh, that's the greatness of Andy Reid, man. I know. Because he realized he realized the talent level of these guys without that skill. So if he could just, you know, what I'm saying when he could just mold them a little bit, you know, it's no way in the world that he goes that far in the draft. You know, it's like two or three quarterbacks one ahead of him, I think, that yeah. year. Like, that is ridiculous. When I watched Trubisky was one of them. Yeah. When I watched them play at Texas Tech, it looked like a video game, man. Every time I was watching Texas Tech play, they were scoring 50, 60 points. And I'm like, yo, hold on. Like, what is going on here? So for Andy Reid to just pull the trigger, because a lot of people, you know, the draft, the draft process is a, a lot of times overrated in the fact that they really analyze these guys and try to pick their brains and, and all, this, all these type of things they do. And he realized, like, look, if this guy has that talent level and wasn't able to just to, you know, he wasn't looking at defenses like that, probably just playing off pure talent, imagine what's going to happen when I get the chance to class, put him in a classroom. So, you know. Well, the, well, I would say that Andy needs to do is invest on the defensive side. If you notice, everybody has to score. And what Andy does is, let me outshoot you. He runs the Dan Tony system. Ten seconds. Let's keep going. Even with that, Phil, he's the contract is so friendly that I I think the guy name is Chris Johnson. I forgot his name, but it's the defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. Um, They're allowed to sign him back for what he's asking for right now because of how friendly that contract is for the organization. That's huge, man. That's huge. I mean, that is amazing, and not trying to toot, you know, uh, the lawyer's horn, but that's amazing work by the legal side for the Chiefs, you know, to be able to construct a contract where you know, once you put the numbers out there, everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, it's this massive contract. But the attorney fully protected the franchise in that contract. I mean, that is, that is impeccable work. You know, but Dion, you know, you know, like I know, a lot of these guys ain't going for that. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a tribute to on the type of uh, team first mentality that Mahomes have. Yes. A lot of these agents, like they talked about Dak, they said Dak people would never go, not that he deserved anything close, but they said nobody else is probably going to ever lock their player up like that. Like that, right, in the manner that they did. And they, when they spoke to, um, when they spoke to Mahomes about it, his interview was like, look, 
this is about the team. I'm trying to build a dynasty. And what players need to understand is when you are trying to build a dynasty, there are some sacrifices that you will have to make, even in the contractual phase, to mm -hmm. make sure that the franchise has the ability to do so. And it shows a lot about his character because he could be selfish. I mean, he put up numbers where he could be like, nope, here's what I want. Give it to me now. And, right. and it would have been warranted. So all in all, in all this well, is... Oh, sorry. No, I, I think it's one, one point, too, that I think people should really be mindful of. When you talk about 12 years ago, from what I understand is the quarterback pay now is triple what it was 10 to 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. any 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 type of agent knowing that would definitely wouldn't put their player in that type of position because the revenue is going to go up for the NFL and all those things. So mm -hmm. he's probably going to be worth two times, maybe two times that. You know what he yeah. what he what he signed for. So yeah, it's crazy. And and I'm hoping um, by I I believe by year four or five, mark my words, there's going to be talks about this contract, there's going to be renegotiation, everybody's going to be back at the table, because it's just not prudent not to do so. Yeah, yeah. All right. So transitioning from the niceties of the Mahomes contract, we take a dive into another story that broke the internet in the NFL this week. Deshaun Jackson, um, Philadelphia Eagles player, shared a quote from an article to his Instagram story. Now, we will not address the specific contents of what he said or determine the veracity of his statements. Rather, our focus of the discussion will be on an athlete's platform and the duties and responsibilities that flow from having a wide and varied audience. For reference purposes only, the quote that Jackson shared to his story was from an article. The quote referenced something that Hitler said. The quote was not a direct quote from Hitler. And I think these details are important because I think what the media does, they put stuff out there and people get, you know, they become like sensationalized about the thing. So it wasn't a direct quote from Hitler and it wasn't Deshaun Jackson's words. He was sharing um, an article. And the quote said, and I quote, because white Jews know that the Negroes are the real children of Israel and to keep America's secret, the Jews will blackmail America. They will extort America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they were. The white citizens of America will be terrified to know that all of this time they've been mistreating and discriminating and lynching the children of Israel. So listeners, I just want to reiterate one more time, we're not here to discuss the truthfulness of these words. As a matter of fact, Jackson said that he will take his own personal time to fully educate himself on the issue. So maybe this issue will be readdressed by him later, maybe not. Um, living in what we call our, this cancel culture, what is the responsibility of the professional athlete when talking about issues on social media or publicly in general? Kelvin, what do you think? Hmm, that's just a lot. This was really, this was really, uh, this was really huge and really, you know, really close to me because, you know, I'm an Eagles fan. 
I've been following DJAC my whole life. Um, I just feel overall, to answer the question, overall, I feel like when you make statements, when you have a certain platform, you have to educate yourself on things that you discuss. Um, a lot, I feel like a lot of times uh, what we do is, you know, uh, we speak as if we're at a barbershop or, you know, in a group of friends. And somebody like Deshaun that has a million plus followers, that's just not wise. And then uh, besides that, I think it's important that, you know, that you're sensitive to your crowd and to your audience. You know, some things may be true, um, but that's besides the point if you can't address the issue and the topic uh, with, a, with a sincerity or a sensitivity towards, you know, your audience. So I think, um, you know, athletes in general, you know, whatever sport you're in, this is very important for you to understand that, you know, your words speak volumes, you know, your words speak volumes and they, and they get magnified like nobody else in this world. So I just think overall, you know, he probably would take this back, of course, uh, but, but, but one thing I, I think that was important too, to kind of like, not really to incriminate uh, Deshaun, like a, a, a post that I read on May 29th from him, he said he had a post, right, with a black fist and a white fist in there on his Instagram. And the quote said, fighting injustice together as one is the only way to get, a, to get real justice. And he said, let's fight together. So I just think that, you know, that was a safe post to make. It was real, it was real, it was sensitive to every audience. And I think, you know, he'll probably just, you know, scale back and probably reconsider before next time and make a statement like he did. Yes, Calvin, one of the things that I love that you said is education. My biggest gripe with anyone on social media is posting hard and fast rules about things that they know nothing about. If you cannot use social media as like an opinion ground where you're like, well, maybe this will stick today. Maybe it will stick next week. You need to inform yourself. You look and sound crazy. So I, I couldn't agree with you more um, on that education piece. Evan, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I think that sometimes athletes are, are put in an unfair position. Um, so I would say, one, from an athlete's perspective, I think you have to be mindful of your audience. I think you have to be mindful of what you say and what you're supposed to say. Um, and whatever you say, make sure you say it with taste. You know, um, don't, I say don't, I would say don't be abrasive. Uh, and if you're going to pull something controversial, be be prepared for the blowback. But as, as both you and Kevin alluded to, it's about educating yourself. But I would say that not every athlete is a Malcolm Jenkins, a Colin Kaepernick, or a LeBron James. Not every athlete has a full gamut of understanding. Um, and I, I think it's unfair that we deify these individuals who, for some of them, their job has been all their life is they, they play sports. They're not really tasked to understand the complexities of everything going on around them. And so for me, it, it's just fascinating how uh, we expect for a player to align their values with our values, and we don't allow them to be who they are, especially if it's not 
something that is promoting harm or detrimental to um, people. So I think that's what I'd say. Very well said. Um, Phil, let our listeners know what are your thoughts on this issue? Well, at first I was a little confused. And after I heard his statement, I believe, you know, um, Edwards always said it right. Um, before you press send, think before you press send and feel the climate. I think initially he was just trying to, trying to just get people together, but couldn't convey correctly. And so I kind of give him a pass on that, on that. So we, what we tend to do is read headlines and social media and, and we just don't go in the next of an article. We just look at it and we just press send. And we don't take the time to step back and say, what is this trying to say? What is this, is this conveying what I want to say? And it doesn't represent everything that I stand for. But, you know, we get hot button social medias and we're the day and age where we don't need to defend what we think about. We just see it, say it, and we don't think anyone's going to come at us really at it. So I think he needs to take, he, and he's based upon all the posters and so forth. He learned from his mistakes. So we have to give him a, a pass. And I'm glad that Philadelphia Eagles gave him the, you know, the uh, courtesy of, you know, explaining himself, accepting his apology, and allow him to stay on the team. So I think he learned from this experience and that we cannot look at athletes, as Evan said, as a deity, as our all, all and be all, and that the pressure shouldn't always be on them, that we have our own responsibility to educate ourselves and to move forward. Like, you know, Evan said, they, most of these athletes, all they're taught to is to play sports. And now, you know, LeBron James and a lot of these athletes are being more social. doesn't take the onus of us educating ourselves and understand what's going on. Absolutely. And I'll just throw this question out to um, any of the guys. So do you think there are topics that athletes just should refrain from speaking on? Or do you think the concern is more so how things are being portrayed? I'm going to say athletes, if they have to educate yeah, themselves. Yeah, I like the question. Now, the question, that's a good question. But my concern is the double standard. You know, um, let me just flip the topic on the head a little bit. When we got a president out here hmm. that's allowed to, to tweet and retweet all types of divisive, hateful uh, rhetoric, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then you have, you know, somebody who is not even supposed to be as educated on topics, you know, they make a mistake. One gets vilified more than the other one. You want to cancel culture one guy, make him lose his job, and the other one, you know, he sits back in his office and does his thing every day. So, I, don't, I mean, I just feel like we just need to look at things from a hypocrisy standpoint, too. Um, mm -hmm. We got to give people a leeway to grow and get better. You know, even like even with Drew Brees for the other day, you know, nobody wanted to tell him he shouldn't be a quarterback no more, cancel his job or whatever. You know, he has time and room to grow. So I just feel like, you know, the double standard is something we need to address as a culture too um, and give people room to grow. Right, Kelvin. And think about it. You're talking about a person who's supposed to represent a team and play football and a person supposed to represent the nation. I mean, the man, we talked about, I said this before, the man had a white power chant in the back of a tweet, and ain't nobody calling him for his job. 
I mean, this man is like Teflon. The, the man has had so many scandals. He's had more scandals than any president in four years that than any president I know. Yeah. And this guy still is, is like Teflon, not getting any even negative. I mean, he is negative press, sure, but, you know, it, it's as if there's so much defense. And what I don't like about this situation, and I think Michael Jenkins put, put, put it in perspective, we're not concerned about that. We're concerned about the lack of value of black lives in America. And so for me, as we look at this whole situation, what I did not like about the situation is they try to use this, not just to cancel the song Jackson, but to cancel Black Lives Matter. They say, well, if I I saw uh, the former GM for the Eagles, who is a a European Jew, and the owner who is a European Jew, and the current GM who is a European Jew, I saw, but I saw... um, I can't remember his name, the former GM, Joe, something used to be the Brown GM, too. He said, if a black if a black person, if someone said this about a black person, there would be such uproar. No, shut your mouth. No, no, no. Do not compare the two because it's a vastly different scenario because uh, I don't see many owners with the ability to fire someone because they were racially discriminatory towards their, their cultural group. I don't see a lot of black owners having that same power position. So the, the reality is, whether you think you should have said it or not, it's not a comparable scenario to the same ramifications because we still live in a country where the owners are a majority white and where the power is still in these few people's hands and they're able to cancel athletes who they don't like what they do or what they say, but they like a pres- they, 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 they still allow a president to do what he wants and what he says. So I just think, I, I just think it's really hypocritical how we're trying to compare apples and oranges in this scenario. Absolutely. I, and you guys, um, Kelvin and Evan, you hit the nail on the head. This is straight up hypocritical, right? Because when Drew Brees made statements that were offensive, I didn't hear one person even question whether or not he should play again. I didn't hear one person question um, canceling him. And so it's just so crazy to me, this dynamic, even within the NFL, but in our society in general, where white athletes can do and say what they want, but God, let God, you know, let God's name uh, be called out if a black athlete says something that he made a mistake. He admitted that he wasn't informed on the issue. How many times have we said or done things, right? And we didn't have all the information. So it's, it's, it's just crazy to think about that, you know, here we are in 2020 and we're still seeing disparate treatment um, for similar instances, even within the league. Can I add one thing to that too, Dion? Yeah. Um, what's crazy to me too, and it's just is crazy absurd, is that we had a player with the Eagles, Raleigh Cooper, who made a comment that he made calling a, pl- calling a black person the N-word. Mm. And not only did he not get fired, he wasn't fine. I mean, he wasn't suspended. He was just fine. So the precedent was already set. But it was so strange to me that people all of a sudden just become absent-minded. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, well, 
you know, this is a new time that we're in. <laughs> now, now, now you want to jump on the, the BLM movement bandwagon talking about it's a new time that we're in. And now you're trying to cancel a guy for his statements. But it was fine when Riley Cooper made his statements. You didn't want to get him fired. So, you know what I'm saying? So I, I just got no time for the hypocrisy, man. And I think it's something that everybody needs to call out, uh, especially in the time that we're in right now. Absolutely. All right. And, and even a bit upon that, I, I looked at the statements that were issued by the Eagles for Riley Cooper and then the statement that issued for Deshaun Jackson. What I did not like was Riley Cooper had to go through the sensitivity training. Deshaun Jackson... His apology was enough. He, they said that he has to he has to demonstrate remorse if he's going to stay on the team. And so it's like it's like one is like, oh yeah, he's going to sensitive training. We're good. But he apologized. He was remorseful. He said he's sorry. But his sorry was enough. Now we're going to hold your feet to the fire even more, and you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that still demonstrates that Black Lives don't matter. But I'll, I'll end there. Yeah. Yeah, so much to unpack in in this one topic, and we can talk about this for two shows if we wanted to. Um, But we're going to transition and move on and shift gears from the NFL, and we're going to talk about basketball, the WNBA to be exact. So if I had a dollar for every time I said COVID in the last four months, I would have the same amount of money as Cam's contract with the Patriots, okay? Anyhow, COVID has changed most aspects of our lives as we know it. We work on Zoom, we go to church on Zoom, our kids go to school on Zoom, and coworkers forget that we can see what they're doing on Zoom. Basketball has also been affected and now have to maneuver on how to play during these times. Um, The NBA as well as the WNBA, they're playing in these things called bubbles. The NBA will play their bubble in Disney World. You know, nice accommodations. Mickey Mouse may even make an appearance during the playoffs. Who knows, right? The WNBA, they are also staying in a bubble, also located in Florida. But the problem with them is they have the real-life Mickey and, and Minnie Mouse running around their rooms not only that, some of the rooms had worms in the carpet. The beds were infested with bed bugs. Yes, you heard that right. This is where they expect female professional athletes to stay and play for the WNBA. I saw a video of the living spaces on social media, and honestly, I threw up in my mouth a little. It was disgusting. If I opened my hotel room and saw that, my teammates would have to carry me out the room like they carried LeBron off the court when the AC stopped working in the 2014 NBA Finals. This is not okay. And I'm sick and tired of the disparities between the WNBA and the NBA. When you think about pay, when you think about support, when you think about publicity, now these ladies can't even get a proper hotel room. Come on, man. Evan, help me understand. Yeah, uh, it, it's crazy because um, you see so many disparities just around gender. Like, we, we just talking about racial disparities, but it's also a lot of gender disparities. Um, and you would think that, one, 
I mean, I'm hearing that Disney World complex is pretty huge. I'm thinking that you should be able to um, accommodate the females as well. Now, I'm not aware of the situation fully, so I can't speak definitively, but you should provide adequate space for professional athletes. Uh, and they should have decent food. Now, granted, NBA players are complaining about food, but they're not complaining about rat traps and worms in the carpet and all these other types of what should be what you give to any decent human being. I mean, preachers, when we go on the road, get better treatment than what than what the females are getting and, the, and what some of the females are getting. Uh, and so the NBA really has to do a better job uh, of making sure that uh, – they cut out the unnecessary disparities between men and women athletes, especially if you want them to compete at their highest level. Absolutely. Philip, what are your thoughts? I am a Paul. I have a daughter who plays um, high school basketball. I can imagine she make it to supposedly the highest level of her career, the WNBA, and, and, and the standards are so low. Yeah, on a side note, you know that they get paid overseas more than they do in the U.S. And that's disgusting. The accommodation overseas, so a WNBA player has to go play overseas to make their money versus here. And we're supposed to have that greatest sports of all, combinated or two or equal to the NBA. But it seems that they're less than the G League, less than the B League, less than the Z League. Why would you do that? You want to give, give young ladies futures or opportunities to consider, hey, I'm good. I want to continue my career. The WNBA here in the United States should have the standard. It should be the gold standard, not the Z standard, not the F standard, or not the worst standard. So it's unfair. It's a shame. And that even the NBA players should be appalled in that. A lot of these NBA players do have, female, uh, do have daughters who aspire to go to the next level. Could you imagine your daughter going in this living situation, come on, y'all could do better and y'all have the means to do better. Do better. Absolutely. Do better. Yeah. Um, so for one, I just had to say this. They said it wasn't no bed bugs. I don't know if that helps the situation out no more. They tested it said it wasn't. But the fact that they had to do that test was crazy. So I, I, I'll give you that. And that, um, yeah, I don't think nobody's ever going to disagree that the that the living quarters um, wasn't habitable. I think I think it was a uh, it's terrible by the NBA to have you know the disparity like that as far as you know um, the living quarters for the women. But I think if we're talking about this on a wider spectrum, because um, Phil brought up the pay the pay situation. You know, we got to be honest about it. It's more of a supply and demand thing, too. It's not as it's not as though that we could just say, um, you know, the NBA should pay the women the same amount when you don't have the same uh, deals being in the revenue as far as the t- TV deals. You don't have the same attendance. You know what I'm saying? And the game is is more it's it's fairly new compared to compare compare comparing with the NBA. So you know, I think there's a lot of variables we got to involve when we talk about other issues, but for for just talking about the living quarters, I think I think it was uh, disrespectful, and I do feel I do feel like they got to readjust. And if anything, they should switch and let the women get get the better spot, and let the guys go to the IMG Academy. I agree, and and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, so let's say we don't have accommodations where both 
you know, both leagues can stay like in the same resort or complex. Like Evan, I don't know the details of that, but our women, I mean, you would prefer our women to deal with that as opposed to these big hardback men that go around telling that they're the best in the world and they're a big Mr. Tough guy and all that. Come on, man. Like that is not acceptable. And what's offensive is you have the NBA players in these nice resorts. Now, I know they posted some of the food that they were getting, and the food didn't look appetizing. But you want to know what? I'd rather deal with bad food than to deal with, I don't know who's going to be in bed with me when I jump in. Okay? Like, you got these guys staying in this resort, and they told the WNBA, we'll leave the light on for you at Motel 6. Come on, man. Like, oh. I'm really tired. I'm really, really tired today. They need to get it together, and they need to get it together now. Right now, right now. I agree with you, Dion. I agree Ooh, with you. Better. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, go in, and I wanted to end the show on a lighter moment because I know I got a little, you know, a little testy there talking about the WNBA. And so we're going to have what um, we're going to call a freestyle segment. So we're all aware that the NBA will allow athletes to wear social justice messages on the back of their jerseys if they opt to. I'm going to have the guys choose a player, pick a social justice slogan or a word, and explain why that slogan is appropriate for the player that they selected. I will also select a player or two. To make it more interesting, we can choose players from the NBA or the NFL, and we can do teams. So it could be one player, it could be a whole team, however you want to do it. So let me get started. The first player that I chose was Malcolm Jenkins. And if I had to choose um, what would go on his jersey, I would probably just put Malcolm X. And the reason why I would do that is because Malcolm has been one of the most powerful voices on social justice for years, not just recently in the George Floyd um, and line of cases, he is not only outspoken, but he is extremely educated on social issues surrounding race and disparity. Malcolm does not hold his tongue for anyone and was the first to call out easy Drew Breesy for his ignorant comments concerning respecting the American flag. Like Malcolm X, he gets the job done by any means necessary. We're going to jump in next to Evan. We'll go to Evan. I would pick Kawhi Leonard, but I'm going to say social justice slogans be rage against the machine. <laughs> I say that because playfully, I say that because uh, Kawhi Leonard is a robot. He's not a human being. He's a robot. And so he's going to want justice for all the machines out there that are being used and abused. And I'm hoping uh, to see him in the finals uh, this year. Nice, nice. Philip, who are you choosing? Well, I'll be I'll choose CP three and on the back of his on the back of his jersey says, watch your your roasted nuts. Cause he's kicking, he's battering, and he's moving forward and he's not taking no no hostage as he moves forward. And at the same time, 
he's make sure the players are getting what they need to the social justice issues a front ahead and a front of everything that he does mm-hmm. three he's still a winner every team he's on so cp3 all right nice kelvin who you have i'm gonna go with the big fella joel the process and b in the back of his jersey it's gonna say no more tears <laughs> No more tears. <laughs> it's going it's to say that because we're not crying no more over what you did or what's going on. We're just going to fight now. So Joe, Joe, Big Joe is all about the fight now. We ain't crying no more. Just like in social, social justice movement, there's no more tears for the black community. We just fighting now. We saving all them tears. So that's what Big Joe Jersey going to say. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, since you went to the Sixers, <laughs> I was thinking about staying away from the Sixers, but uh, since he went there, let's do um his his friend Ben Simmons. So for Ben Simmons's jersey, I would have, and you guys already know because I told you guys this: free the three, get behind the line, shoot a make a, a a few threes in these playoffs. Ben, we're waiting for you. Ben, free the Three for Ben Simmons. Anybody <laughs> else? KD, back at his jersey, said, I should have been a Nick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dealing with Kyrie, dealing with half the squad disappearing in the bubble. <laughs> mm. Right now, I should have been a Nick. <laughs> Anyone else? If I'm, if I'm Pat my Kyrie. Oh, go ahead, Ev. <laughs> They stole my Kyrie. I was going to say for Kyrie, uh, I was going to say free thought matters. You know, Kyrie is definitely not thinking on this planet. He thinks about a lot of different things, even the earth being flat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) If I I had one more jersey to pick, it'd be Pat Mahomes in the back of it say, we shall overcome. Or, or what COVID? It's going. It's going to either one of those for Pat Mahomes, because this brother he has the opposite twenty twenty as the rest of the world. When you talk about half a billion in that bank account, is what COVID, and we shall overcome. Seriously, and to end this segment, which I love, like you guys are the best. I want to do a team slogan, and so one of my favorite Black History shirts. And if you're on social media, I'm sure you all saw it is one that says we out in quotation marks in honor of one of my sheroes harriet tubman what a fitting sentiment not only for miss harriet tubman but for the 76ers who will be out of the playoffs when the nba season starts back in the bubble you have to give a shout out to the team that honors the past in that manner with that said That was another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes podcast. Until next time. We're going to get you back.